we continue in our uh, series this morning with spiritual warfare and learning uh, how to fight this battle that we are in. You know, we, we come to this uh, time and we'll be in Genesis uh, chapter 3, if you'd like to already uh, go there. And, uh, you know, we, we have some struggles with this world. You know, uh, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Uh, you know, I, I know I've quoted that verse many times, and I kind of wish he wouldn't, I wouldn't have to quote that verse. You know, I wish in this world we would not have trouble. Uh, I wish instead in this world we would have, I don't know, uh, well, what would this life be like if everything was just good? You know, if, uh, you know, uh, what parents, I mean, what would life be like if, if our kids always behaved the first time? Daniel, I'd like to try it, okay? You have a lot more hair. I would have a lot more hair, that's probably true. No, I bet mom and dad would love to try to live in a world where you obeyed the first time. No, it, it, you know, but, but it is... Uh, bedtime would work. You what? The bedtime would work sometimes. Bedtime would work too. At times, yeah. I mean, uh, but yet, it's not, that is not the reality we always uh, face is, you know, instead, there, there truly is times where we have trouble. And we're always looking for uh, guidance uh, in this world. Because we were not created to go this world alone. We, we might try to go it alone, but uh, we are not to go it alone. And those of you watching us online, we have audio right now. I'll work to get some uh, video to you, but uh, don't mind the black screen. We're still here, and uh, I'll see what I can do for you uh, as we move forward. And so since we we do have this issue of, of trying to get help, we, we learn to trust others, or we need to learn to trust others. And one of the things we do is we trust those that we know. And so, you know, the question is, is who do you know? And the more you know someone, the more you will trust them. Typically, going is how it typically goes in our world. You know, and so who do you know? But then we have to be careful because just because we know someone doesn't mean what they are telling us is the best way. You know, we think of this a lot of times with our with our kids, but I, I think Paul had in mind not just teenagers when he said these words, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And we think about that with um, adults a lot, or with kids, teenagers. We think of Caden and, and, you know, and Ashlyn who went down to help, and we think with Noah and Dana, and it's true for you. Show me your friends, Noah. Show me your friends, and I can probably show you where you're going to be in five years. Okay. He's a good kid. Bad company will lead you astray. Now, we are to be a light in this world, so Katie, you can't just surround yourself in a Christian bubble and never get out of it. But those closest to you will determine your next steps. But you know what? It's not just true of them. 
You know, I could say the same thing to Ron Cutter, who is a little bit older than Caden. You know, those closest to you, speaking to you, will determine your character in five years. Now, I know he's, the, he, he's not on a 15 or 20 year plan, probably. You know, you're, you know, at least that's in your wisdom. But the Lord has a different wisdom. One or two year plan, yeah. Uh -huh. You know, um, but, but, but for us adults, the voices that we trust, that we quote unquote know, will determine our steps. And you may start with good care, but if you're not careful, those around you will lead you down a path in many ways. And so I want to encourage you, be careful who you trust. Not any skeptical, no, that, you know, but, but those that you know or you think you know, make sure they're going to lead you on the path you want to go on. Don't let Daniel lead you astray, Noah. Daniel. Don't let Noah lead you astray. And I can say that about any of the others. Clinton, don't let Maya lead you astray. I know you're around a lot. Or better yet, don't let Becky, who you work with, lead you astray or Jonathan. You know, Jonathan, don't let sweet little innocent Quentin lead you astray. You know, you may be older, but you, you can still learn a new trick every once in a while. Just make sure it's a good one. I just listen to it all the time. Just listen to it. Yeah. It, it. It's true in those ways. Not only do we trust those that we know, we also, fortunately or unfortunately, trust those who are quote-unquote like us. If they look like us, they sound like us, then obviously we ought to trust them. You know? And we don't always discern um, what is going on with, with others. And so we need to learn, though this truth that Scripture says is looks can be deceiving. You know, you can look one way and it not necessarily be true. You know, looks can be deceiving. You know, I, I used to love doing this, especially when I uh, was in youth ministry, and one of the things we do is we went to Kings Island every year. Uh, there was the only time I would play the games of guess your age. Because it was almost a guaranteed win. You know, that I was gonna, and, and especially, and this may not have been right, and so, you know, Lord, I confess if it was wrong. Um, you know, I would also pick the youngest-looking teenager to make sure they were walking near me as we would go off, so they thought I was maybe their father. You know, and I tried to pick the good ones as well. You know, that I'd be proud if they thought I was their father. You know, so I could take like a no one. You know, you're you're right in front of me, buddy. All right, just get used to it, okay? Caden looks too old. You know, but no, you look like you're ten. I know you're twelve. Eleven. See, I was trying to make you old. But I would bring you kind of near me, and I would say, guess my age. And I could do it once every time, every season, because then I think I got put on a list of don't trust this guy. Looks are deceiving. And I remember one time we did this, and the guy guessed one age, and I was quite obvious. You're lying. I said, no, I'm not. I said, prove it. I had to show my driver's license because he thought I was much older than I was. You know, and so looks can be deceiving. Even in an annual gathering, there were people who thought I was much older than I really am. You know, 
I know my ear wasn't part of the bride, wasn't Sue this morning, you know, during those times. Well, well, little, uh, little, uh, little, what was that? But she doesn't know either, I think. You know, and so uh, the, the reality is looks can be deceiving. So the question we must always ask is who will we trust? Who will we trust? And that's actually the question, I believe, of Scripture, or one of the questions that follows through everything we read in Scripture, is who will we trust? Will we trust uh, the, the Lord, or will we trust someone else? Will we trust who uh, the Bible says God is, or will we trust our own judgment of who we think God is? Who will we trust? And so we come to really kind of maybe the foundational issue in the spiritual warfare battle that we, we are in. It's a battle, not just of behavior. It is a battle of answering the question, who will you trust? But this battle is old. There's nothing new about the struggles you and I have. They may be unique as far as the uh, specifics and the details of those, but they are not unique in the way that uh, we would like to think. It's an old battle, and I, and I share that as a, an encouragement. As we come to Genesis 3, we realize, as I've entitled this session, Back to the Future. Uh, and the more I thought about it, I think I sent Shannon the wrong title, but you know, it works. Because our future battle, we must go looking backwards to understand its origins and to get encouragement. We are not alone in this battle. We are not alone in the struggle that we have. And so, we must continue on. We must continue to persevere, but we know that we don't go it alone. We don't go it on our own. We can learn from those. Wisdom is learning from those who've gone before you. You know, I, I was very fortunate to have an older brother uh, growing up. See, Kaden, you're fortunate to have two older brothers growing up. Because uh, here's one of the things you, you can learn. Sorry, Daniel, you have no older siblings to learn from. Uh, but you can learn from their mistakes. Because you know Cooper and Kobe aren't perfect, right? They have messed up everything. You know, sometimes they messed up pretty well, haven't they? You know, you may know things that mom and dad don't need to know just yet. You know, I work for the family that as the kids got older, uh, they played this game around Thanksgiving and Christmas where they would finally confess uh, some of their, uh, you know, sins uh, to the parents. And mom and dad were kind of almost horrified at the things they heard. And then I found out I knew about half of them. And I didn't realize mom and dad didn't know half of them, you know. Uh, but you can learn from those times. Daniel, are you okay there? You up? Okay, they didn't go off there? No. Okay, well then it's just me. 
and that's possible too. Uh, you know. So but wisdom creating is you can learn from their mistakes. Where you don't repeat the same mistakes as your siblings. You know, this is the wisdom we can learn as we interact with scripture. In fact, Hebrews to some extent says that uh, we have um, you know these uh, these things, this uh, the Old Testament as examples of what to do as warnings, as encouragements for what we can do in order to learn from them. And so we can realize that our battle is old. But our battle isn't just old. As we read here in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. A reminder that our enemy is created. Now, I've watched all the Star Wars movies. I've watched them in the wrong order, according to most. Okay? Unfortunately, if we believe too much about Star Wars, we will think that there is this duality, and there's two forces that are of equal power. Good versus evil. Or in Star Wars, the Jedi and the Force of Darth Vader. And the other. Right, Daniel? Can I get it close enough? Close enough. He's going to school me later, I know. However, that's not the reality of Scripture. We must understand that. Though we uh, have this evilness in our world, though there is a battle going on, our enemy is created. So he is not equal to God. That should be encouragement. Can I get an amen? Miss Barb, is there one of those little amen things in front of you here? No? Alright. Pastor Paul trained you all before I came about amen. You know, uh, we need to do that again uh, with things. So, you know, uh, you know, as we do it, our enemy is created. Okay? So we don't have, he is not all powerful. He is not equal to God. And we must remind ourselves that he isn't equal to God, and not give him that power as if he is equal to God. In fact, as I read this passage this morning and read some others this week, there was, you know, sometimes we read Genesis 3 and we just think it was inevitable that there would be the fall of mankind. That it just had to happen, very fatalistic. But the reality is, is Actually, most of Scripture says you can't do what is right. Moses, as he was getting ready to tell the nation of Israel they're going into the uh, promised land, you know, he tells them in, in Deuteronomy 30, which if you do our devotions, you will read, you know, says, you know, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. You can obey. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can obey. Don, did you tell Becky that she can't obey? All right. Becky, did you tell Don he can obey? Well, 
you know, Pastor Paul has a degree in marriage and family therapy. <laughs> you know, he would be really good for you to work to work with, you know. And Sue was a great uh, counselor as well, so, you know, there are your wise counselors right there. She's on you know, um, with this. But we can't obey. Part of the reason I think we don't obey is because we don't truly trust. And as we get into this, uh, you know, this passage this morning, you know, we, we must realize that we must discern the true struggle and temptation. We must discern what is really there. The, the, Adam and Eve, they, the serpent comes. And, and the serpent says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? I don't think it was really a question as much as an exaggeration. And part of the issue with Eve is that um, Eve is not very patient. You know, the battle that is before us requires us to be patient. And if she was patient, I'm not going there either. I'm not touching that one there either. Yeah. No, I already went. You what? I already went there. Oh, you, that's fine. You can go there. It doesn't mean I go there. So, you know, the part of the, the issue is, is if we're not patient, we can't discern the true struggle. Because was the struggle really about fruit? If it was just really about the one fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I don't think the first question they would have been presented with was, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And I don't think it was even a question of what did God say. I mean, Eve gets it right to some extent. She goes, we must eat, from, we, we may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Now, I think there's some things there. She would have been patient. She may have thought her words through. I don't think there was any ill intent to saying you must not touch it. You know, I mean, I can tell my kids all the time, the stove is hot. The stove is hot. But I may also need to tell them, just don't even get near the stove when we're cooking. Okay? Am I wrong? No. Sometimes we gotta take that extra. And, and sometimes we gotta realize that, you know, we need to kind of not see how close to the line we can get, but instead we gotta take steps backwards from where that line is, the line of sin. You know, but she needed to be patient because maybe then she would have seen what was really going on here. The serpent goes back and says, you won't surely die, but God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, the battle will require us to be patient, not giving our enemy and his forces too much power or too much sway, but the battle also requires us to be active. See, Adam's issue was he was way too patient in the situation. He's there the whole stinking time. He knew what was going on. He's not second-guessing, but he's like, ah, I'm just going to let see what happens play out. Maybe it'll all just work out in the end. 
And Adam, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of theorizing on what could have happened or what should have happened or any of those things. But instead, it was the idea of, you know, uh, what if he would have been active and just said, Eve, we gotta get away from here. Or Eve, hey, I think we need to go name another animal. God had purpose for them. They weren't left alone to their own struggles. God had calling in their life. If we read those things in, in chapter 2. The Lord God placed Adam into the garden to work it, to care for it. He had a calling on his life. He was to be active in working out that calling. And you and I have a calling. We cannot just be inactive on things. We have to continue to move into this calling that God has. But he just kind of sat back and hoped it would all just be okay in the end. If we read that not only did when the woman, when he saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, but also desirable to gain wisdom, to be like God. It was never about whatever fruit that was. It was always to try to be like God. Interesting enough, never in, in Scripture do we read that God is trying to be like us. He doesn't struggle with that. We struggle to try to be like God and want to be like God. To, to, if, and to make God like us, because if we can make God like us, then we think we might be able to trust him a little more. Because he's a little too far out there at times. Which I think is why at the Mount Sinai, the story of Exodus, the nation of Israel makes a calf. Because we know this. We don't know this God that's up on a mountain speaking to Moses. We can trust this because we can see, we can touch. And later they would have to taste the bitterness of when that path that they built was ground up and put in the water. A bitter taste of trying to be like God. And we read that sin has consequences. I've said it, I think, in weeks past, and I say it again. You know, you can choose your uh, actions, but the world will choose your consequences, for good or for bad. And we read that every part of the characters of this, they had a, a consequence for their, their actions. They, there was something that was going to happen because of that. Things weren't going to be the same. Things had to be different. And, and we read that there was now going to be struggle with many of different characters. I know many of us do not like genealogies, and especially not the genealogies of the scripture. You know, we kind of flip through them. I will tell you one of the greatest benefits of the genealogies of scripture is to figure out which uh, offspring 
people in Scripture are. Are they from the offspring of Eve or the offspring of the serpents? And so when you flip in your, in your uh, Bibles to uh, chapter 4, you read that there is, you read, um, you know, the uh, genealogy of Cain. And how Cain gave birth to Enoch, not the good Enoch, but another one. And Enoch to Ira, and Ira to Methuselah, or however you say that. Methuselah was the father of Methuselah. Methuselah was the father of Lamech. And, and we're starting to see whose side are they on. And then you read about Adam to Noah. Whose side are they on? you read on and on. And you read at times like people of Enoch who walked faithfully with God and then he blessed them more because God took him away. Now there's debate what's really going on there. The reality is, is genealogies tell us how God is fulfilling his word. And so they are important. It's the book of Numbers. It's all about genealogies. So chapter 5, there's one, and chapter 10, there's another one. About how God is fulfilling his word. But sin has consequences. But the real issue here was trusting God. Would Adam and Eve trust God, who is different than them? That's your problem. Can we trust someone who is not like us? Can we trust someone that we can't always see? See, and throughout the Old Testament, one of the reasons Genesis exists is to tell the nation of Israel who you are and who this God that has called you out of Egypt is. And the question they are faced with is, can you trust a God who is different than all the other quote-unquote gods of the world. Why, for those of you who want to go deeper, why in Genesis 3 is it a serpent? It not, has nothing necessarily to do with the actual, uh, you know, snake, but maybe also something even greater than every other religion and culture around the nation of Israel use serpents as a way of uh, using divination and trying to get their God to do something. Of which God made it very clear in Leviticus, you are not to practice those ways. It wasn't that the serpent was just an awful creation to begin with. What we read, all creation was good. You can you trust a God who is different. And as they are learning, there are some in their line like Abraham who trusted this God and left. Everything he knew, including his gods, for this. The issue of Genesis 3 and the issue of my life and your life is, is trusting God's character. Satan, as a form of the temple of the serpent, was saying, Can you really trust this God who has placed you into this garden? Can you really trust this God who says, Name the animals and care for this? Can you trust this God who will say, Have everything else but can you trust that when he says no, it may be for your benefit? Or is he untrustworthy? 
Was there anything necessarily wrong? Is there anything necessarily wrong with gaining wisdom? Knowing right from wrong? No. But if we're doing that, when God has said no, then the answer is yes. Is there anything inherently wrong with lots of the sins that we will engage in? No. They can be very beautiful. It can be very loving. But if it's done outside the bounds of what God has said to do it, then it will always cause destruction. We have to be able to trust his heart and who he is. Prime example, you know, money, possessions are not bad. They're beautiful. They're lovely. But if you go about them in the wrong way, you gain them in the wrong way. If you're not a personal character, or you're gaining them in ways where God says, that is off limits for my people, I believe there are certain industries that are off limits for God's people. Because he says no, then yes, it is wrong. If, if Larry is doing carpentry work and he charges, uh, he rips his people off, that he works for, and he gets money, is it wrong? Yes. But can he charge uh, twice as much as everybody else if he does a good job and people are willing to pay him for it? Yes. And the same with Jonathan and before. Ill-gotten gain or the love of money is the root of all evil, not just money itself. We can go in different areas. Is there anything necessarily wrong with alcohol? No, not necessarily. But to get drunk, absolutely. To be, uh, to be uh, controlled by it, to be looking for it, absolutely. Because the issue is, is, can we trust a God who says some things are just not okay? For my people, who are called by my name. There are things that are off limits. And so for all of us, our action step is learn God's character, not just his word. Adam and Eve knew his word, but they missed his character. They missed his heart. One of the things that causes me to stay up at night as a pastor and I struggle with is I realize for 20 plus years now, one of the trends that is happening within our world is that we, as Christians, those of us who are called by God's name, do not look any different than those who have not been called by God's name. We may know his word in and out, but we're not living his word. And I wonder if that's because we don't trust his heart. We don't trust God's character. So he, it really can't be good for me to say no to sin and yes to him because I might miss out. No wonder our world is the way it is. No wonder this world got, got dealt with uh, uh, this power struggle now in all of creation. We've got to learn to trust and to learn who God's character is. And it's, you know, even as far as, look here, you know, God says to him, where are you? Verse 5. 
And then he says, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you you were naked? Who told you this? How did you come? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The question isn't a question of I'm going to condemn you, but it is a question of will you confess what you have done? Why? Because at the heart of God, it says this in John 3, 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God isn't looking to condemn you, but he is looking for you and I to confess to him. John would later say in one of his letters, He is faithful and just, and if we confess our sins, he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the issue is, if we trust God's heart enough to confess our sins, are we in hiding? Can you imagine how things would have been different if Adam and Eve would have just confessed? You know? Yep. I mean, what would have happened if, if, if in verse, uh, you know, 11, God says to Adam, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And all Adam said was, Yes, I did. Whereas passive and as patient as Adam is, he's quick to action now. He's a the woman that you put me here, she gave it to me and I ate it. Not only does he blame Eve, it's God's fault. Because if she wouldn't, if you wouldn't have made this one, if I would have been all alone, I would have been just quite okay. Right. If you would have just said yes. As we learn throughout most of Scripture, if we're willing to confess, God is willing to say, I will heal you. We love the quote Chronicles 7, 7 Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name, then we kind of look, I will heal their land. But what does it say? If you will confess, repent of your ways and confess, if we will just say when God says, Hey, you messed up, guilty. Yep. I did it. It was me. God would heal. But many of us are hiding because we're afraid of condemnation. When we're hiding in our shame because of what we've done, we've missed the heart of God who wants confession but loves us so much. So will you learn God's character and not just his word? And then lastly, will you trust God today? Trust. He's worthy. As you will read, he says, you know, believe in God, trust in God, but also trust in me, Jesus says, for I go to prepare a place, and where I go, you will be with me. No wonder Paul would then say in 2 Corinthians, though your body may be wasting away, it is only for a short time, and then there is glory. So therefore, persevere on and trusting God today. What is God calling you to do? Will you trust Him in that? Will you trust Him in salvation to confess that Jesus is Lord? We got a baptism right here. We can fill it up on any Sunday. 
And we can baptize anyone who is willing to confess that Jesus is Lord. I don't care if you're, I mean, Eliana's already kind of, we're, we're talking, you know. Uh, we're talking, she's like, when am I going to be baptized, Dad? So we had this conversation. She's getting there, you know. But I don't care if you're six years old or if you're 86 years old or 96. Any and everyone can be saved. You're never too late to You're never too young. You've never done too much. Or if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just. He will forgive your sins and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In this passage of Genesis 3, in our attempt to try to be like God, we, we try to cover ourselves up. Basically, uh, they, they took the equivalent almost of an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, thickly, the biggest leaf they knew at the time to try to cover themselves up. Pretty ingenious in a lot of ways. It'll cover a lot. But God covers them up. And a foreshadowing of many things I believe. Will you let Christ cover your shame, your guilt, your sin? Not so you can go do it again. That's not the point. So you can leave the sin and trust that when God says it's off limits, it is for our own good. And when we trust God, truth, his kingdom has come on earth as it is in heaven. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I ask that you would just continue to be with us. May we trust you today. This is our task. Our task isn't anything uh, different than what the task and the, the ask of, of the nation of Israel as well as uh, Adam and Eve. The task is to will we trust you today. And so Lord, I ask that you would help us to do so. Lord, I ask that you would just be with us. May we allow you to take our lives and do what you would want them to be. That we will trust the call you have placed on us. The call of salvation first and foremost. And then whatever call it may be afterwards. Maybe it is to be a mother, a father, a business person, a teacher, a student, a banker, or the like. And then we will trust you in all of this. Lord, we thank you for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.